Welcome to DBAX Podcast. The future. Technology and stuff. This is the official podcast of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Sports, 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 sports. From the field to the front office, the ballpark to the broadcast booth, it's time to talk DBAX baseball. I just think about baseball. Here are Greg Schulte. And he rockets one to deep right center. That is long gone. And Steve Berthium. In the gap at the track at the wall, and he's got it, A.J. Pollock, wow! Play ball. From Chase Field in downtown Phoenix, Arizona, this is D-Backs Podcast, the official podcast of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and welcome to our 38th D-Backs Podcast, if you're scoring at home, season two, episode 13, I'm Steve Berthium. We are into the first week of the 2016 season. Not all of it has gone according to plan. However, as Chip Hale hoped would happen, his club, the youngest team in baseball, finally able to take a deep breath with Friday's walk-off win over the Cubs and relieve some of that anxiety that seemed to build up under the weight of expectation and some sluggish pitching performances and really now settle into the everyday routine that is the Major League Baseball season, relax a little bit, do their thing. And so it's already been a fascinating storyline with a variety of narratives to follow this year in just the first week alone. And we'll talk about that and other things with our guest on this show. It's D-backs pitcher Shelby Miller. We will hear from Shelby in just a few minutes as he gets set to match up with last year's National League Cy Young winner Jake Arrieta in the finale of this Cubs series before the D-backs head out on their first extended road trip of the year. We are off to L.A., San Diego, and San Francisco. Ten games in three cities. But first, two more here against the Cubs as we record this on uh, Saturday, April 9th. On the program this week, the original voice of the Diamondbacks. He is the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, the Earl of Grantham, the Governor, Greg Schultz. I'm here. We are here. Uh, we're watching batting practice, Gub. We've got uh, the sight, roof open. sights and sounds of the ballpark. Not the sights on this show so much, but roof is open, as you say. we got the music, BP going here. It, it feels like baseball now. We're into the regular routine. Yeah, and, you know, it, and it goes so fast. I mean, we're almost a week through, and it seems like yeah. we, we've waited and we waited and we waited for opening day. Uh, opening day kind of came and went. Diamondbacks ended up losing two out of three to the Rockies. It comes around town completing this four-game series. And and then, as you said, I really think the ball club, I think we all need a, a trip. Uh, and we're going to get one, a long one, a 10-dayer. Yeah, it's going to This is a brutal schedule. We'll yep. get into that. It's a tough first month here, so we'll see how the rest of the weekend fares against the Cubs, and then it's out on the road. Also on the program, our engineer, our producer, our man about town, uh, the mother of dragons, although there's been some talk we might have to change that to, to the Khaleesi. We'll see. It's the Kingslayer, Leo Bad News Gilmartin. Do They're you like uh, pretty much the same to me? Do you like Mother of Dragons or Khaleesi? I don't know who Khaleesi is, and I don't know. I just found <laughs> out Mother of Dragons is is some girl who's pretty hot, I guess. Well, that's uh, I thought that's why I thought it so was I'm appropriate. Not, I'm not sure how I feel about either of them. <laughs> that's a fair point. Well, I'm not sure how I feel about the first week of the season, Gub. It's only been uh, five yeah. games now, of course. Uh, some very high highs and some low lows. Let's start opening day. Zach Greinke, who goes tonight, by the way, uh, against the Cubs in Game 3 of this four-game series. There's no getting around the fact that opening night was a letdown. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, you have a big sellout crowd here, all the hype, uh, all, all the uh, anticipation, and, uh, you know, it just didn't, uh, it, it didn't come around. I, I think the one thing we were quick to point out, and I know you guys were too on the TV side, uh, it's a good Rockies ball club offensively. They can score some runs. What surprised me a little bit 
was they pitched probably a little bit better than I thought they would. The Diamondbacks scored enough runs in that series. Yeah. Probably won all three ball games, but they did not pitch. So uh, the Rockies are going to win a lot of ball games when they hit the ball well, which they did. And uh, it didn't work out that well for the Diamondbacks. They ended up winning just one. But, uh, you know, the Rockies are in on the next home stand we come in. And I, I said this on the TV side. Remember last year when the Rockies opened up at Milwaukee, they swept mm. the Brewers. Then they went to San Francisco. They swept the Giants there. They were 7-2. and two. They scored a whole bunch of runs early. So the same narrative is going on this yeah. year in Colorado. And they wound up 26 games under 500. So... And it's how not like see- we haven't seen this before. Yeah, and then they go home, and the Padres hadn't scored a run, and then they up get up 13 in the uh, first game uh, in Denver against the Rockies. So, it's you know, that's that's why you play every game. You just you just don't know what's going to happen, no matter who's on the mound, who's at the plate. I felt sick for Andy Green. Uh, poor Andy, who's just the world's greatest guy. His yeah. first three games as a big league manager at home, <laughs> and his team doesn't score a single run for him. And then they go to Coors, and they score 13. Yeah. So that worked out for him at least, and we'll see uh, Andy on this road trip. Um, Shelby Miller, who starts Sunday against Jake Arrieta, our guest on this episode of D-Backs Podcast. You'll hear that interview shortly. Uh, a little up and down in his first D-Back start. He had that one rocky inning. He gave up the three home runs. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? But I've, other than that inning, he pitched pretty well. And, you know, you can go through each starter, and that's been pretty much the tone. Yeah. One inning. Yep. Uh, Shelby had that one inning where he gave up six, but then he came back and blanked. The, uh, the Rockies, the next two innings, the Diamondbacks got back in it, and they ended up winning that ball game. So uh, I thought there was some good. It was just uh, it kind of skyrocketed. The ironic thing was uh, Granke, Miller, both gave up three home runs, and then Patrick Corbin follows with three, but in a much lower scoring ball game in Corbin's start. Yeah, and Patrick made some real location mistakes. He's the pitcher I worry about the least, frankly. Yeah, I, I think he pitched the best in the spring, and uh, – you know, he is what he is. He doesn't walk anybody. you got two guys really in Granky and, and Patrick who don't walk anybody. And walks became an issue in the Cubs series, obviously. But uh, I I still like one, two, three in the order. And I think if four and five can, uh, you know, play it better than, uh, than expected, then I think it's going to be a really good year. I don't think there's any doubt that Robbie Ray, who pitched very well for the most part last season, will be even better this year. I, Robbie had the one inning where he walked four guys. Other than that, again, the one inning. He was solid. I, I think there's a lot of upside there, certainly. I do worry a little bit about Ruby. There's yeah. so much in there with Ruby De La Rosa. There is so much stuff and so much talent, and that ceiling seems so high sometimes, but he's just not able to sort of package it and present it out there, at least consistently. Pedro Martinez, the Hall of Famer, said uh, as he was dissecting Ruby's start, he said he just doesn't trust his stuff once he does that and realizes that uh, he can be unhittable from time to time. He's going to be really good. And Pedro, of course, has got some ties with Ruby. So, yeah. you know, uh, maybe Ruby listened and maybe uh, maybe Ruby does better. Funny, he insisted after the game, Ruby, that he had great command yeah, that night, I, that Adrian Johnson, the Play-Doh player, wasn't giving him some strikes. And I think that speaks to how he gets distracted yeah. because I didn't see any bad misses there. I saw some misses with Jeff Kellogg behind the plate opening night. I didn't see a whole lot of misses with Adrian Johnson on the ball and strike calls. But I think that speaks to Ruby. He, he sort of maybe picks some imaginary issue and then lets that distract him from what he's trying to do. Yeah, and you can see him on the mound. His, uh, he wears it on the mound. Yeah, you you can tell when things aren't going well with Ruby, probably more so than any other pitcher the Diamondbacks have. 
Uh, the bullpen, I think, things are going very well. We saw that last night in the walk-off win over the Cubs uh, in the Friday game when we saw for the first time really in order and very effectively, you guys talked about this on Snake Talk after the ball game Friday, uh, the Tyler Clipper, Daniel Hudson, Brad Ziegler, 7-8-9 finish. I like that trio. I really do. I, I think that's, uh, that's going to be good for the Diamondbacks all season long. They're going to have to get some other guys, obviously, that can fill in when, you know, if you're winning two or three ball games in a row and say you got to go to the bullpen two or three days in a row, those guys aren't going to be there all the time. But you have Hudson who could close a game if need be. You've got Clipper who could close a game if need be. But guys like Delgado and some of the other guys are going to have to push on through and give those guys a rest. But 7-8-9 when you got a lead with Clipper, Hudson, and Ziegler, I think that's pretty good. And on the, I agree. On the front end of the bullpen, they've already run through a couple of long yeah. guys here. Kyle Drabeck uh, had real trouble throwing strikes. He was designated for assignment. Matt Bushman is up here now after 10 years and more than 1,300 minor it's league It's a innings. great story, isn't it? Yeah, it's terrific. And he's married to yeah. uh, Sarah Walsh, yeah. who I used to work with at ESPN. Sarah's a sports center anchor. And I guess they all made it for his first ball yeah. game, which he didn't get in, but he was in the bullpen warming he up. He was warming up yeah. at one point, and they must have thought, oh, here we go. But, <laughs> I mean, he's thrown more than 1,300 yeah. innings. He spent the last seven years at AAA. Yeah. And so that's a great storyline to follow. Who was the, uh, the left-handed hitter we had? last year that played for us briefly and had been in the Meyer Leagues for all those years and all those A.B.'s. Uh, he got a big hit off Kimbrell. Danny, Danny Dorn. Dorn. Yeah. Remember that? That was a great story last year. He was hitting like 380 yeah. at Reno. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Archie Bradley mentioning Reno uh, pitched a terrific ball game he the did. first week. And Juan Lopez pitched well at, uh, I saw at the Mobile. Double A. Six yeah. innings, two hits. Hey. Good. Um, I Run was, him up here. The th- one of the things <laughs> that's – yeah, get him up. One of the things that surprised me was Silvino Bracho who looked so good near yeah. the end of last year, had a very good September, and looked overwhelmed out there. He, he, it was a deer-in-the-headlights thing, and there was a little bit of panic, I thought, in his face. So he was uh, sent down after one game to kind of regroup. I was a little surprised, frankly, they didn't go with Marshall or Burgos on the opening day roster rather than Bracho, but Chip said Bracho had some equity based on what he did last year. Yeah, I think the home run, uh, I think it was uh, Arenado. Yeah, right? Arenado. I, yeah. I think that really kind of... Uh, you know, touched a nerve, and uh, he just wasn't right after that. And then just things escalate. He threw 40 pitches uh, in his one inning. Delgado threw 46 pitches, I think, uh, also. Right out of the that, gate. Yeah, and, I mean, that, that's really putting a burden on the bullpen. That's why the changes have been and we be went, made. And we went through that last yeah. year. No, no bullpen threw more innings than the Diamondbacks mm-hmm. did last season in the major leagues. Around the Diamond, one thing I was very happy to see coming into the ballpark today was Brandon Drury. Getting a start at third base. Jake Lamb has looked terrific. I'm very excited about where Jake is headed here. Uh, so much more patience at the plate. He's taking his walks. He's going to left center field. He's had a terrific start. But I think not playing every day has really impacted Brandon Drury and really hurt him. He's not the same guy, Gub, that I watched for six weeks in spring training, just mashed the ball. He looks a little unsure of himself up there at the plate, at least to this point. Well, if you put yourself in his shoes, all through the minor leagues he has started, be it third base, second base, uh, he was always in the lineup. Uh, last season, it went that way. He had a good year. He struggled some of Mobile, came up to Reno, played really well, came up to the Dimebacks, wasn't playing every day, but was playing a lot. Uh, you go to spring training, and Chip was using him a lot at third. He was using him at second base, played him in the outfield quite a bit. And then once the season started, it was a pinch hit job here, yeah. maybe a day off, another pinch hit. So he's getting a chance to start tonight, get him some four, you know, four. I think that's the toughest thing for a manager coming out of spring training. Everybody's playing, and a lot of guys, a lot of bench players are hot coming out of spring training. That manager somehow, some way, has to try and finagle and get them in the lineup, and that's the tough 
thing to do, especially, as you said, Jake Lamb's off to a good start. Yeah. So And his money has hit the ball well in left field. So, you know, Drury's time at third base or the outfield has been, uh, you know, he's not going to replace Segura at second base the way he's playing. Holy cow. So he's a bench guy right now. Yeah, the guys that have been most impacted by the numbers crunch are Brandon Drury and Phil Gosselin. Mm -hmm. It's been tough to find those two guys at bats, and they're two of the best hitters on the team. And you can see how it's impacted them through the first week here. And I don't think you worry about a guy like Ricky Weeks. He's pretty much been, yeah. uh, you know, he's used to right. the the role that he's got right now. Uh, you mentioned Segura. Holy cow. Wow. Holy cow. I mean, two hits in each of the first four games, three hits in the game Friday night. He's played a sparkling second base, a position to which he said he didn't really feel comfortable in the final week of spring training. He's turned double plays. Yeah. He's made great plays throwing across his body as he heads out toward left field across Strong the first base. Yeah. I mean, he has just been sensational. You know, and as good as he is, too, I think one of the plays that uh, really shows you that he's having fun, he's into it, was a play where there was a pop-up on the mound, and he hustled all the way from second base to go over and cover third. Yeah, the other night. that was a great play. You know, a good hustle play. I mean, that that's showing you right there the play Peralta made in the ball game. Uh, the Diamondback win on Friday night where he comes in from right field and they get the double play when Fowler's run down. And they get Rizzo at first base. You know, things like that, that's Diamondbacks baseball. That's what we saw last year, and we're starting to see it right now. And on the other side of the second base uh, area, Nick Ahmed has already – I've lost track of the sparkling <laughs> defensive plays that Nick has made, and he's a whole different hitter at the plate. And Ship said he really felt like last year Nick Ahmed was impacted negatively by batting eighth. And so with the exception of one game uh, this season, he has hit ninth. And it's really, really worked. Yeah, I mean, you got Segura batting, you know, behind you when he comes yeah. up in that ninth spot. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Chip has said that uh, he feels really comfortable with with Granky, Miller, and Corbin in that eighth spot in the batting order. Not right now with Ruby, Robbie Ray. Time will tell, but. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes with that pitcher, especially when Ahmed's in the lineup in that eight spot, regardless of what. Yeah, I, it just works so well. You I hate like to, it. You hate to I like it. And does Andy it, wasn't a big buyer on it. Now he believes in it. It, it all depends on personnel. Yeah. There's no question about that. You have to have some. What you're trying to do is create more RBI opportunities yeah. for your number one and two hitters. And when you've got a power hitter like Segura's mm -hmm. Ben, at least for the moment, batting leadoff and theoretically another guy like A.J. Pollock batting second who you'd want to have RBI opportunities. That's really the whole reason behind it. But does it matter if Ruby makes an out batting eighth or ninth just so Ahmed yeah. can hit ninth? I, I'd be more inclined to leave him there and just let him do his thing. Yeah, and Ahmed, you know, he's getting some extra base hits. So, uh, you know, his game has really developed since uh, we first saw him uh, burst onto the major league scene. If he keeps playing like this, he's going to be an all-star this year. There's no question like about that. that. Uh, I mentioned A.J. Pollock. Obviously, that's a big loss. However, I, you know, and I said this, I forget where, but defensively, look, the guy won a gold glove last mm -hmm. year. But defensively, with Owings and Brito out there, I don't think it's, there's not a big, giant drop-off there defensively. And offensively, I think with improved performances from Tomas and Lamb and Segura and Ahmed and Owings and everybody else, I think there you make up for the offense you lose with A.J. So... Brito and Owens defensively. The other bat, does it equal A.J. Pollock? Maybe not, but it comes pretty close. Yeah, I mean, obviously we'd love to have A.J. out there. No but, question. Uh, but, you know, if Brito can play like he's capable of playing, and we all, I think we both agree that C.O. is up uh, for a big year. You know, he's healthy again, and hopefully we see the Chris Owens that we saw in April of his uh, uh, rookie season up here a couple of years ago before he got hurt. 
And, uh, you know, Lamb, the improvement there, Tomas. So, you know, you're talking about four guys, but if they all improve, then you, you've got enough offense, I think, to carry this club through because you've still got Goldie, you've got Segura, you've got uh, Wellington Castile, you've got Peralta, the other four. Yeah. I mean, Jake Lamb had 34 RBIs yeah. last year. Yeah. You're going to tell me Jake Lamb, you're not, that, he might double <laughs> that total easy. I hope he does. And if he does double that total, that's great. Yeah, and you there know. you go. You pick up offense from Tomas, mm -hmm. much more production out of second base and shortstop, and off you go. Uh, off we go now to our guest, and we're very happy to have with us uh, on this episode 38 of D-Backs Podcast, the man who will start the game here tomorrow against Cy Young winner Jake Arrieta. It's D-Backs pitcher Shelby Miller, and let's welcome him into the show right now. All right, friends, it is time. Ladies and gentlemen, our first guest tonight is, uh, he's so good. Celebrities are here in profusion, one after another. Not only superstars, but really super people. My guest. My guest. Would you welcome him, please? Shelby Miller, our guest this week on D-Back's podcast. Uh, there's panic in the streets here after the first week. Is there a message from one of the new guys on the pitching staff to D-Backs Nation? I would say we've only played four games if there's any message. So, it's, I mean, we obviously haven't been pitching uh, as good as we want. And, I mean, it's frustrating. You know, we, we've, uh, you know, we all know what's going on. We're not pitching to the best of our abilities. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things right now. You know, we'll figure it out and, and get it going soon for sure. There was a pitcher's meeting after the game uh, Thursday. Can you mm -hmm. tell us if anything about that at all? Oh, I was just more of, you know, just kind of going out there and telling us to, you know, not because we 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 think so much about like game plans and, and stuff going into the game and um, how to get hitters out, but you know you kind of lose uh, focus on pitching to your strengths and you know more more so of that and uh, just basically just told us to go out there and, and uh, you know pitch to the best of our abilities, use what's what use what's best for you, uh, get guys out and, and stop thinking too much. You know we've been walking some guys and uh, just kind of been nibbling around the zone a little bit, so it's just you know more so of just uh, trying to attack the zone more. I think one of the real encouraging things, Shelby, is the fact that once once the pitching gets straightened out, you've seen what the offense can already do. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, they've they've shown us so much already. Um, not even um, you know so much during spring training, and then you come into the season, they're still doing what they're doing. This uh, offense obviously is uh, you know one of the best, and, and they show up every single day, run the bases hard, and they play great defense, and um, you know bring positive energy every single day, and it's it's fun to watch. I mean, they're amazing. Uh, Amazing group of guys we got uh, in that clubhouse, and um, you know, as a pitching staff, we know what our offense brings to the table. And you know, at the end of the day, if we can, I, I, like my game, I give up six runs, we still get the win because we, you know, got there and score a lot of runs. But um, you know, right now we're just giving up too many more than you know than we're scoring. But I, you know, it's, it's just part of the game. We'll, we'll figure it out, and uh, you know, try to get those six spots more to more to zeros. You're, this is your third team now in three years. Has your experience with Atlanta mm -hmm. and with St. Louis helped you to adjust to your new surroundings here? Yeah, I mean, you know, the first trade was, you know, always probably a little tougher than, than the, uh, others, but it's, you know, you, you, you spend five seasons with the organization, you, make a, you build a lot of friendships with guys, and even in Atlanta, would, uh, you, know, you know, I get traded over here, you, you build friendships over there with guys, so it's always... Um, you know, tough leaving some of your buddies, but at the same time, you're going to a new organization and a team that wants you and a place that, uh, you know, is, is headed in the right direction, ready to go. And I think, you know, everybody's here to play the same game. Um, so it's easy adapting to clubhouses and, um, you know, showing up. But this one was really easy to get into. The guys here are amazing. 
um, you know, we got a we got a great thing going, and we know it. But it, you know, so it's 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 pretty easy settling with these guys for sure. You, as you said, you know, you're you're playing baseball. Your wife Amy, uh, it's a little bit different, probably for her. I mean, the, the, the two different cities, actually, three counts St. Louis thrown in there. Yeah, no, she's uh, you know, she's a trooper, man. She's. Uh, She's excited for the, you know, out here with spring training, we get to stay here, so we're not moving near as much um, throughout, you know, usually it's three times a year because I've been spending my off seasons back in Texas, and, you know, that's never easy on her. She's uh, she's from southern Missouri, so, you know, St. Louis was pretty ideal, and she, she loved that, so it, she took the first straight hard to Atlanta, but, um, you know, over here, we're, we're both excited to be here. It's a great city. It's a great, um, you know, place to play baseball. It's uh it's just it's it's unique, you know. You don't. There's nothing really like it, you know. Like getting, like I said, getting to spend spring training here, and then the off seasons out here are perfect. So it's a place kind of you get to live year round. And um, I mean, we're like I said, we're both loving it a lot. I wanted to go back in high school, three consecutive uh, no hitters, one a perfect game uh, in the playoffs. You've continued that into the major league level back in 2013 against the Rockies. Uh, Eric Young leads off the ball game. You retire the next 27. You had a near uh, uh, no-hitter against the Diamondbacks last year. Nick Ahmed broke it up. And then Justin Bohr with two outs in the uh, the ninth inning uh, against Miami. Your feelings uh, on the professional level, uh, you feel you're going to get a no-hitter one of these days? I hope so. That would be awesome. I mean, uh, those both those games that you mentioned, where all three of them were, you know, it's it's. I, I'm a guy who, if it happens, it happens. It's meant to be type of situation. I mean, the one in Miami definitely hurt. Um, you know, being one out away, but uh, you know, hopefully one day I get the opportunity to just pitch another one. Hopefully, I'm just you know healthy enough to, you know, pitch a m- many more seasons in the big leagues and get those opportunities to to go out there and hopefully get something like that. You, Greg mentioned Texas, Shelby. You you were football and baseball, right? Yeah. For so sure. yeah, can you tell us a little bit about what that's like to live in that? culture because we people who aren't from texas i grew up in boston and and greg in the midwest we hear about that high school football culture but it seems like so many baseball players come out of texas as well yeah i mean there's uh it's a big sports you know state it's uh you know football where i grew up in brownwood was huge i mean so like a friday night lights deal very similar for sure i mean it's uh you know the football program just that we had to go through the you know i you hear for a small town, we, we worked out so much, and we, we had this little big room, which a lot of, like, an indoor turf field, not a lot of high schools had that. So we, you know, did drills in there and did all these mat drills and just basically they kicked our butts every single day. And um, and that's how it is throughout Texas with a lot of teams. I mean, these high schools are just training so hard for these football programs and to play on Friday Night Lights, like you're saying. But, um, you know, baseball's big there too. And, you know, I think uh, – you know, not so much in my city, but there's a lot of great baseball cities and uh, baseball, like up in you know Dallas and the Houston areas. A lot of those bigger schools have a lot of talent. It's amazing, it seems, how how often Texas produces guys who fit your prototype, like this big, tall, power right-hand starter. It seems like there's just dozens of them that have come up over the last 20, 30 years. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, I guess it's just... Uh, Did you have a guy that you, like, like a Nolan Ryan or Roger Clemens, that type of guy, when you were growing up? That you uh, admired, followed? Yeah, I mean, I, I like to follow Roger Clemens a lot because I grew up an Astros fan, and, and even Nolan played there a little bit. But, um, you know, it's that's who I watched growing up, Roy Oswald. I, I was a huge, huge Bagwell fan. Jeff Bagwell was my dude. Oh, you I, and Goldie. I loved, I loved him. And, uh, you know, I just – my dad grew up from in a little town called Eagle Lake, so it was about an hour outside of Houston. So he grew up an Astros fan. So I kind of just adapted to that and – 
Roger Clemens was definitely somebody I paid attention to and admired. You learned a lot from your dad. He, he was your coach? Yeah, he was my coach. Basically, you know you know how it is in, in little small towns. And then the, your dad's a coach. And basically from T-ball until I got up to high school. And, uh, you know, he's always been a, you know, somebody who always wanted the best out of me and, and always uh, was – was a good coach for me and a good somebody who I always looked up to. So he, he, uh, you know, he was an amazing man and, and did a good job doing uh, coaching as well. You played in the uh, 2011 Futures game in this ballpark. Uh, you were a teammate to uh, Paul Goldschmidt. I guess uh, destiny was meant to happen, huh? I guess so. I guess so. I mean, Paul's uh, he's always been so good. You know, you uh, you know you heard about him uh, through the minor league system and what he's done, and even not even playing against him in the minor leagues that much and. Then when he gets up to the big leagues and he's done so much already in his you know career, he's um, you know definitely one of the best players in the game. Not only that, he's an amazing person as we all know that, and um, you know cares and brings it every single day. And uh, you know he's definitely he's definitely somebody I want on my side. There's, you got some big time teammates here. Mm-hmm. It's only been a few games, obviously, but every time we take a shot of the dugout on the TV side. I see Zach Greinke in the middle there, and he's surrounded by guys. Sometimes you or Patrick Corbin. Sometimes right. it's not pitchers. What's Zach been like in the dugout on days where he's not pitching? He's been great. I mean, he's uh, you know Zach's a guy who likes to talk baseball and always uh, finding ways to get better, basically. And uh, he's uh, what we're basically doing is talking to him and, and trying to figure out you know yeah. what he's thinking and, and maybe possibly something that he sees going on in the game and. Uh, you know, he pays attention to all the details, all the little things. When uh, I remember when Chafin filled the bunt the other day, he was just telling, you know, saying how how good of, how good he filled that bunt, stuff, little stuff like that, and pays attention to almost every single pitch, you know. And uh, he, he cares about baseball, man. He's he's um, so we're, us young guys, we're trying to pick his brain and, and see what he's thinking, and because um, you know he he sees so much, and, and we're just trying to figure out um, ways to get better through him, and uh, just trying to help each other. You've handled the bat pretty well uh, during your major league career, uh, especially with the sacrifice bunts. One home run that was hit against the Diamondbacks and Matt Reynolds. Yep, yep, got that in St. Louis. That was pretty awesome. I enjoyed that. that (laughs) More than Matt did, I'm sure. I'm sure, I'm sure. (laughs) Did you remind him of it in spring training? Uh, I think we probably talked about it a couple times, a couple times. Hey, it's fascinating, Shelby, when I look at how you've evolved, and you're still only 25 years old, you, it seems, have changed sort of how you attack hitters, what you throw, mm-hmm. much more so than other pitchers, certainly pitchers your age. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I read about you and Justin Masterson mm-hmm. and show me that two-seam sinker grip, right. and then A.J. Pruszynski was there as well. How right. did that evolve where you went from basically a four-seam guy to more two-seam cutter? Well, uh, you know, it's all about, you know, how what, what feels good to you usually. And uh, Wayno was a guy who had always told me that you know I, I would be a guy who threw a good sinker. Adam Wainwright. And I'd never really you know found a grip that was comfortable until Justin Masterson came over and we were in Philadelphia one time and I just asked him to see his grip and and I felt it and it, it kind of felt like a four seam fastball to me the way I, you know the way it felt on my fingertips so it was just more I felt comfortable throwing it because I threw my four seam so much and I knew that I couldn't do that because it's you know definitely a flatter pitch and you know I got I was getting a lot of foul balls off of it and. And not being able to go so deep into games, and as a starter, you know your your goal is to you know go six, seven innings or plus every single time. And yeah. I was just throwing way too many pitches, so I found that grip and, and just kind of ran away with it. I threw, I was throwing it in the bullpen right before the game in Philadelphia, and I said if it was, if it's decent, we'll we'll try it. And you know it ended up 
working out a little bit for me. So it's it's a tough pitch to throw. I mean, it's it's harder to command, uh, obviously, than a four seam. And um, uh, there's so many guys out there with a two seam that's so much better than mine. And it's always uh, you know nice to pick guys' brains and, and see what you know what if they're putting pressure on any points or anything. So you're always trying to find ways to get pitches better. But um, I think. The, when I adapted just to sinker and cutter, it was just when I was, you know, trying to just be a little bit more efficient. And you look at, I'm sorry, Greg, you, you look at the, the the way you've used those pitches, and all of a sudden, you know, the four seam use is here. Suddenly, it drops down. The two seam use is low. Now, suddenly, you're throwing that all the time. Mm -hmm. It really has been something of a roller coaster for you in terms of your repertoire and your pitch selection. Yeah, like I said, it's uh, you know, some days you're you're just gonna have pitches that feel better, and uh, one day you'll go out there and you'll throw. 60 fastballs and 50 of them will be four seams and another time you'll go throw 60 fastballs and it'll be 30 30 sinkers and four seams so it's you know for me it's it's what I feel comfortable throwing at that time and um, as pitchers we're, we're preached to you know take it a pitch at a time and when I'm um, out there whatever I feel comfortable with in the situation that's what I'm going to throw so you know some days it's the sinker sometimes it's more cutters I'll throw or um, you know four seam it just depends on the day really. My broadcast partner, Tom Candiotti, says you never judge a starting pitcher by his record. Uh, you cannot control wins and losses a lot of times. Last year, you were 6-17 and 17 in Atlanta. Had an ERA barely over three. You were an all-star, and I believe you won 24 consecutive starts without a victory. I mean, it was just one of those seasons, but you pitched a lot better than the numbers would have indicated. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's baseball is a crazy game. You know, it's... Uh, if, for example, those stats are, are some people love them, some people think they're meaningless. I mean, I, obviously, I don't want to lose 17 games. I want to go out there and win 17 or 20 or, you know, as many as I can. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, it was it was uh, definitely hard. You know, it, it was not easy. You know, going out there and failing every time and trying to. I was pitching good, but I wasn't winning. And you know how the clubhouse is after games, and and you know when the vibe is just dead in the clubhouse because you're lo you're losing a lot and. You know, those were on days I started, so it, was, it got a little frustrating. But the guys were showing up every day ready to play. It wasn't like they were, um, you know, not doing their job. I mean, it was just one of those fluke things that just really didn't go our way that year. And I think that's a great thing about baseball. You play every day. I mean, a tough loss, you come back in the next day, maybe you get a big win. That's that's the best thing I think about baseball. It is. It's it's nice to, you know, play this many games. That way you can, you know, come back and bounce off some of those negative vic or losses and, um, hopefully get a victory the next day, but uh, it's a long season, you know. That's why, you know, I'm, I, if fans are panicking, it's not a. It's, it's still we, we got 158 more games to play, and uh, you know we're we're gonna, we're definitely you know not performing to the best the Diamondbacks can perform to. So it's uh, it's all about we'll, we'll get it together, and it's um, you know still early. And at the end of the day, you got a couple of dogs that right. greet you at the door, right? They greet you at the door. Now, you, what kind of dogs are they? I got an English bulldog whose name's Teddy. He's uh, he's like 65 pounds. Uh, he, he's more my dog than than my wife's Amy. He's uh, follows me everywhere. He's the absolute man. And then I got a little <laughs> Maltese poodle who's like 10 pounds, and uh, that's Amy's dog. And what's nice about him? He's he's a little guy. He likes he has some energy. He likes to play fetch. And he, what's nice is he don't shed. So he he sleeps with us and goes in the car and basically goes everywhere. He's he's a he's a good dude too. So both you guys are dog people. Well, Amy wasn't a dog lover at first. She was not. You converted uh, I turned, her. I, turned, I converted her into for, With Teddy? I converted her to a lot of things. Coffee. <laughs> she wasn't a coffee drinker. 
Uh, I don't think she was a Chick Fil A fan before she met me. Yeah, well, now she's a dog lover. Atlanta and St. Louis, that's yeah. you got to eat Chick Fil A. Exactly. Right. You're gonna have to try out the PetSmart patio here at the ballpark. We are actually. I'm. I, I'm gonna I think I'm doing a little magazine cover for the Diamondbacks tomorrow. The dogs are gonna be involved. So oh, you'll be on the cover of D-backs Insider here at the I ballpark. Think so yeah. So we'll have the dogs in there and. That way y'all can all get, get to see what they look like. Well, hey, we appreciate your time. You've been great with us, and uh, it, we're thrilled to have you here. Absolutely. Everybody's excited, and I'm sure we're going to get this thing uh, going in the right direction Absolutely. very soon. Absolutely. You're, you'll be a big part of it. Shelby Miller. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. We encourage you to log in and check out dbacks.com slash evolution on the, uh, the, old, the, what do they call it, the World Wide Web, the www. So, remember that when you people used to, hey, what's the website? Well, you go to www. Yeah, w, it's www. <laughs> and I don't know why it's double. It shouldn't be double V. Isn't a W? Worldwide would web. be a, a circle. <laughs> you know, and I'm talking about the letter. Oh, w, it looks more like a the double V than a W. Yes. Yes. You kids with the social media. <laughs> uh, anyway, on dbacks.com slash evolution, you can see exclusive video content. You can join social media networks. You can buy tickets to any Diamondback Speaking home Speaking of game. social media, we got yeah. a cheap plug-in for uh, Tweet the Booth. Yeah. We got D-Backs Radio. Oh, now, well, why don't you use this opportunity, Leo? We will. I, uh, I am. Go ahead. Now, explain <laughs> to the folks. Uh, what this is that you now? This is a, a Leo Gilmartin Khaleesi creation, right? Yes. Okay. You go to uh, www.twitter. Get it? W. <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank you. Uh, yeah. No. We did. We, this yeah. Year, no. Budweiser sponsoring. Uh, tweet the tweet the booth. Wait. You got a sponsor? Budweiser. Yeah. Where you guys have been negotiating secret backroom deals? <laughs> We've been busy. Wow. So you got. Yeah. Hold on. You got we Budweiser to sponsor your little Twitter. Our little Twitter? Yeah. It's going to grow it's, big well, now. little yeah, Twitter off in the corner. In the, once this in the podcast weeds. gets out, we might be a million strong. You might be. <laughs> We're going to just uh, surpass Selena Gomez, I think, who's just the biggest follower so on Twitter now. What's, on the, what's the Twitter handle, Leo? At D-backs Radio. At D-backs And Radio. when people on the Twitter tweet to at D-backs Radio, what would you like them to They have comments, questions? questions? comments. Uh, during the game, Mike yeah. Farron will answer. Uh, we can answer. I've Leo answered a answer. few during, yeah. yeah. The moral compass, Mike Farron. We may, uh, take now, a couple questions on air from time to time. So. Was Farron involved in this yeah. process? Yeah, absolutely. You guys have had your own little thing cooking uh, in, the, in the shadows here. I'm impressed. Yeah. Got to come over and hang on the radio set a little bit more. I do. I, well, I brought cookies over here. By the way, Leo, have you noticed that on Diamond Talk, uh, the two games where Bert hasn't been on were 2-0? and I don't know if it's large enough <laughs> sample <laughs> size yet. Driving but, uh, home yeah. last night because now there's a new rotation on Snake Talk, which I really hate. But uh, I did notice that it's they've won when they've worn teal. Yeah, they have. Yes. So I like those unis. Those are awesome. Yeah, they it's really the are. teal. I don't think it's my Plus, absence. you haven't been there. Still, yeah, talk, still yeah. not a large but I, sample I size. I was represented last night by the cookies that my wife Cindy baked for you clowns. And by the way, you're they welcome. They were great. I texted her. What are you talking about? Yeah. As soon as I got I them, think, I texted I didn't even her have right one, away. and I thanked her. Yes. What do you mean you didn't have I one? I didn't have one. There's I was two told, giant uh, trays I was of told cookies by right both members of the You got the cookie monster sitting behind you. I tell you what. not to have any. By who? By you. <laughs> Pardon me? Yeah. I told you not to have a cookie. I have the text. They were good. Oh, I think what, what happened was you won't get to have a cookie because Farron will eat all of them like he did last time. Well. So this is what we go through. So anyway, one Sorry more time, brought to you by Budweiser. It is at D-Backs Radio. All right, so get on. I'm going to send a tweet to that and see what happens. Our Remember fans, get your tickets for every Thursday home game this year. They're all throwback Thursdays. Uh, of course, Friday home games, Friday fireworks. We had that last night. We'll have those all season long on the Friday home games. And coming up April 23rd, 
Once we get back from this road trip, it's the first bobblehead giveaway this year. The A.J. Pollock bobblehead, courtesy of Arizona Sports, 98.7 FM. April 23rd, get your tickets, get your A.J. Pollock bobblehead. And again, you can buy those tickets online on the www at dbacks.com slash evolution. That does it for our 38th show, season wow, 2, 38. episode 13. Yeah, we're coming up on yeah. number 40. We're two shows away, if my math is correct. I think you're right. <laughs> Follow us on the Twitter at our other apparently less important <laughs> site, at D-Backs Podcast. Now, do you even pay attention to that anymore? Well, you're the only ones that, that works that one. I, you know, I'll retweet and I'll pay a little attention, yeah. See, you've, you've gone off. You've started your own enterprise. You don't even. No, just expanding. In more ways than one with those cookies. <laughs> Our plan this year is to have a D-Backs podcast episode once every homestand. So that's uh, at least the plan right now. We think we can pull it off. And our thanks again to Shelby Miller for being our guest on this show. D-Backs podcast brought to you by Beverages by Hoffman, by Martin Paints, Martin Paints at Anxious Paints, and Monsters by Strites. For the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, the Earl of Grantham, the Governor Greg Schulte. Aha. Uh-huh. And the Kingslayer, the Khaleesi, Leo, Bad News, Gilmartin. Mm-hmm. I'm Steve Berthume. Thanks for listening to this episode of 38, and we'll talk to you again soon from here at Chase Field. So long, everybody. This has been another edition of D-Backs Podcast. The game is over. The Diamondbacks have got to win here. Thanks for listening. It's over. Go home. We'll see you soon at Chase Field for more D-Backs Baseball.